From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 20. This show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts for a 10-day free trial. Visit lynda.com slash connected. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere, and Sketch Party TV, the fun, fast drawing and guessing game for Apple TV. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined today by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And this is it. It's just the two of us today. Just the two. Hi, how are you it's, doing? I miss Federico, but this is kind of like old times. It is kind of like old times. Many people listening to this show may not know, but once many moon ago, me and Stephen, we had our own little technology show that we did together. It's just the two of us before the prompt, even. Pre, pre-prompt. Pre-prompt. Yeah, pre-prompt. So I have to say, we have three of, well, we have two of the most amazing pieces of follow-up. And the third one is is special. I don't mean to downplay it, but some very important follow up, Michael. Yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Twitter clients. Do Do you remember that? I do remember that. Do you know what? I remember it. I remember it so well. It's It's like it's all coming back to me now. What are you getting me for Christmas, Mike? A Twitter client. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've been I've been developing Titi Tweet uh, for a few months now. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that Swift? I really like it. I am using Which Swift. Language? Yep, so uh-huh. it runs so it runs nice and fast for you. Yep. Uh-huh. That's a really you your, open it? your summary of Swift. It yep. runs nice yeah, and fast. fast. It runs nice, <laughs> nice and okay. fast. <laughs> so okay. if the hang on, before we talk about the real topic, if there was a Titi Twitter app, I think that you would open the app. And it's a grid, and there's a, a picture world. of pasta, there's a picture of espresso, there's a picture of an iPad, and then there's a picture of a question mark. Mm-hmm. And you tap the buttons, and a tweet goes out. It's it's pre-populated. A tweet goes out about one of those items. So if you hit the iPad, something about working on the iPad, pasta, espresso. But if you hit the question mark, uh-huh. it it searches Giphy. At ran- randomly pulling from the dictionary and post that. And I I, I frankly think that podcasting is over and we should develop this app full time yeah i, I don't know so. why we're still waiting around here man <laughs> somebody's made <laughs> dg tweets it's real you can find it in the app store there's a link yep. to our show notes and um i have to say mike i've been testing this app for a couple of weeks now and frankly, I've uninstalled everything, every other app on my phone. It's literally just this. So this is incredible. So this was made by really close friend of the show now, uh, Daniel Breslin. Yeah, he's family. He's family of the show. Within 24 hours of that show coming out, he had like an alpha version that he sent us a test flight invite for. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of gave some simple like feedback. And then I know that you helped out craft some of the tweets and and now it's here so basically it's an app and you can find it in the show notes which if you go to relay.fm slash connected slash 20 you will find the show notes and you are presented with a few choices some emoji choices and you select from them and it will randomly give you uh it will randomly give you tweets that you can send out in the style of Federico Fatici. It's all hashtagged and everything. It's it's incredible. It's so funny. It's just great. It's it's a great example of what we love about you guys. Um, and Danny, thank you so much for, for bringing my app to life. Uh, I, or I, actually, I mean, my, my code name is Danny, and uh, I built this app as I explained. That's that right. Clip. 
That's right. Well, if Danny were real and if Danny were to get in touch, I would definitely mail Danny a Vatici seal of approval. Right, we can do that. Or actually, I think he's in the UK, so maybe I should just do that. Yeah, maybe you should just... We can... We, uh, workflows, behind-the-scenes stuff. People don't even know how the sausage is made. <clears throat> Speaking of that, we ha- also have a movie poster. If you remember last week, uh, our... Our movie, Reconnected, written by Federico Vitici, starring Bradley Cooper, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, is definitely underway. Uh, it's being written right now. Uh, it'll be in, in pre-production very soon. But we have our movie poster, which you can see on Twitter. And uh, I have to say, seeing the three of us together like this really gets me excited about our our art. Doesn't it, you? I am very uh, yes. I was very happy to see this. Uh, there have been. I've tried to tell many people in my life this week about about this movie. Uh, a lot of people aren't, aren't huh? interested. Like people like on the subway. You're like, hey, I'm going to be in a movie with Bradley Cooper. Well, no, I'm not going to be in the movie. He's he he's playing you, and uh, I'm, That's I'm being played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Many people that I have shown this picture to, include this was originally including myself, didn't even know that he was ever in a movie where he had a beard like that. Um. Is it really my favorite part of it is how he looks crazy yeah. with that beard and kind like of looking like off into space. My beard is kind of that length right right now. It's it's grown really quickly, which is which is great fun for everyone. Um especially me. Wow. So there's so there's that. And um I think that it's maybe the best thing that's ever happened in to Hollywood really. In the history of Hollywood, the best thing. It's going to save the movie industry. Sony destroyed it, and we're going to fix it. Yeah, so you might read about this in those Sony leaked documents. Yep. Hopefully you won't. Yep. Um, Jimmy Boss? Boss A? Jimmy Boss A? On Twitter. I think has... you're giving him a bit more flair. Well, I mean, he's got, he's, wearing, he's got a beard. He's got glasses. He needs a little flair. He's got a little flair to him. He has giraffes as his profile picture. It's awesome. He has loaded our show notes in the PS3 browser. Um, Mike, do you own a PS3? No, I own a PS4. PS4. I don't know if you had a PS3. I assumed the browser is terrible. But uh, you can zoom. So he has a um, this. It, it appears to be on his television in his living room. Um, there's like kid stuff around. And there's a picture of the three of us for all of his family to enjoy. We are uh, partaking in his home life now with his, fa- his with his family. And I think that's really sweet. PS3. I uh, I do have to say, Mike, can we have a little follow-up confession? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that I promised screenshots running in, uh, in Next Step, and I, I failed. Why did you fail? Do you I not forgot. know how to use computers? I forgot until just now. That's, so that's ma- maybe I can do it. Maybe I can do it during the show. How would you do that in some sort of virtual machine? Yes. Let's see if I have it on here. I do. I have... Next step 3.3. I guess that might be open step. Let's see. Okay. <clears throat> I'll, I'll do this. We can carry on with the show. If I, if I get screenshots during the show, we will real-time follow-up to our follow-up. I don't know how comfortable I am with you doing that whilst we record. I feel yeah, like I something could go horribly wrong. What do you mean? Just I don't know. Well, one, I feel like I could lose you into some sort of like fugue state. <laughs> running next step yeah just because you'll be like you know you'll feel at home and you'll never want to leave and then 
then the podcast will have to stop because like if it's like a time travel movie or something because you will end up going so far back into the past that podcasting doesn't even exist and then the show will end i, th- I think you might be overreacting <laughs> well look I, it is my job in this business to just think about the the possible problems and then you you fix them <laughs> that, does, that does seem to be our <laughs> our scenario Mike, why don't you tell us about our friends at Linda? It's time to kickstart your new year. It's time to challenge yourself to learn something new, and you should be doing this with a free trial, a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. lynda.com is used happily by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are being added to the site every single week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, invest some new time into a brand new hobby, maybe you want to help in finding a new job or improving or uh, honing your own skill sets, you should be doing that in 2015. And lynda.com has something for everyone, no matter what they're trying to get out of this new year that's coming up. With lynda.com, you'll get unlimited access to every single course when you sign up. This includes access to view tutorials on tablets and smartphones as well with their iOS and Android apps. And you'll get access to every single new course that is being added. It's just one flat fee and you get access to everything. lynda.com have highlighted a few courses that they think that you'd be interested in. So uh, for listeners of this show, they were thinking about what are they thinking this is a connectable like so what about uh, getting started in audio and music production maybe you want to create your own podcast they have some great courses there on stuff like logic and things like that um what about uh the documentaries helvetica objectified and urbanized which is the trilogy of documentaries by gary hustwit i've seen helvetica and liked it a lot um they're all available on lynda.com as well uh, maybe you want to learn a bit about design i've seen some some great courses on the illustrator and photoshop and they'll also teach you drawing skills and stuff like that if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in they have this great uh, new innovative course uh, which is called their code workshop and in that you'd be able to go in and you can see basically that they'll have a, a code problem and then a bunch of different people will present different answers in different methods so you can kind of see the thinking of a bunch of different people it's a really interesting way of kind of looking at different development challenges and stuff like that which is yeah i i saw that and i thought that was pretty interesting um and i can imagine for the people that are trying to learn this type of stuff it's cool because you can see different people's different ways of thinking they have iOS app development and essential Swift training as well. Just some really cool stuff. You should be going and checking out lynda.com because they have all of this stuff available to you. Um, you can get it right now. And you can sign up for a free 10-day trial if by going to lynda.com slash connected. So go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Real FM. That's lynda.com slash connected. So we thought we would spend today, which is the the last episode of 2014, uh, looking back at the year, but not just at Apple, but kind of looking at some of the the big tech stories of the year. And I, I don't think we're going to go back through them like in detail, but kind of see like what's stuck, like what's has remained important, uh, what what sort of didn't just get washed away, but what has remained uh, for 2014 and. Uh, Shockingly, we found stories for every month of the year, which was uh, a little bit 
Actually, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. So um, there was a there was an interesting way that, that I cheated a little bit on this. So oh, when share we, your workflow. Yeah, I would like to share my workflow. When we were putting these documents together, we were like looking through some stuff. Things were coming to mind. I was looking at um, some other roundups as well and picking out some things that I thought were interesting. And then there were a couple of months that were empty. So uh, I went to the show notes of the show and just looked at the descriptions. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Wow. There was That's a good. there was a quiet window for a couple of months, but I don't know what that was about. I mean, every year there's, you know, as in you have, there was no show. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're gonna get to that though. Oh, so yeah, I thought we're gonna go through month by month, and we're gonna pick out a couple of the stories that we find interesting, and maybe talk about if they still actually mean the same thing, you know, as we thought, or if they've basically just gone away. Uh, I like this plan a lot. So let's start in the beginning with January. CES coming up. Some CES stuff last year happened. You know, for me at least, I don't know how, how you feel, Mike, but like I just get really tired during CES. Like, you know, I follow, I follow The Virgin and Gadget and like they'll have 400 posts a day about some crazy like TV that's 3D and curved and like I don't care about those things. Yeah. Uh, so I find, I personally find CES very tiring, but, um, you know, there's always a few things here and there that, that sort of come out. And um, I think one of the things that is obviously still making an impact is the Pebble Steel, which was announced uh, at CES last year, which you are wearing on your wrist right now. Yep. I uh, pretty cool. As soon as I saw it, I knew I wanted it. So I was always interested in a pebble, but I didn't like the way the plastic ones looked. Uh, but the steel one, I liked I liked the view of it. It had like, um, this wasn't exclusive to the pebble steel, but it came with like the second version of Pebble's software. Um, so I decided to go for it. And plus they were doing a deal. I can't remember how much it was, but I think it was free, like expedited shipping. And there was a little bit of money off. I think something like that when they, when they first announced it, if you pre-ordered. So I pre-ordered, I think like the day it was announced and, and I maybe got it in February, maybe something like that. And I've worn it every day, except for my brief stint with the OGG watch. Um, but I, I continue to, to love it. And, and, and I'm, it's one of the best tech purchases that I've made this year for me because it it's really improved um, the way that I I use these sort of connected devices in my life. Connected devices. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one in January, I think, happened right after CES. Was Google announced that they bought Nest for three point two billion dollars, which mm-hmm. is a big price tag, but as we come like further throughout 2014, like really not all that much money. Like, remember when they bought Facebook, bought Instagram for one billion, and now people measure like acquisitions and how many Instagrams it is. Yeah, but um, you know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of blowback, especially from like I hate to say this, but from the Apple community that Google was going to be doing creepy things. Like people were tweeting they were going to take nests off their wall, which is ridiculous. Like I own a nest, I'm everything is opt-in with Google. Like I'm not, you don't have to send stuff to them. Um, they've done uh, really very little in terms of bringing nest closer in line with Google stuff. I think there's some Google now integration now, but again, that's opt-in. Um, but clearly a really big announcement for like the quote internet of things of, you know, Hey, like these d- internet connected devices 
but now sold by a giant company, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I think the interest one of the things that I find interesting about this is that it's been pretty much a year and Nest do seem still to be pretty separate. They do, and and one thing that's a little surprising a year later is that they uh, they haven't had much in the way of new announcements. I know the thermostat got a pretty nice software update. Mine just got it a couple weeks ago, um, and they've got the the smoke alarm. But I believe the smoke alarm predated the Google acquisition. I think um, maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I I don't know what I was expecting, but. It's, it seems to have been kind of quiet on that front since since then. And so I don't know if they have, you know, new hardware coming. And hardware takes a long time. I think part of this is that I, like, forget that, like, the Nest took a long time to develop because hardware is difficult. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And I think with Google backing them, I think the sky's the limit on what the, what Tony Fidel and his team can create. Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things as well because it's like, what do you continue? What do you make? Like at some point, you just need to iterate what you've got and then think of other things. Like they don't need to have like twenty different products, like just the ones that make sense and have them connect up in a nice way. There's definitely yeah. scope for for growth, and that's probably like the one of the main reasons I would expect that they accepted the Google deal is it gave them like facilities, like and, and resources, like you wouldn't believe to go out and do this stuff like i i expect that they are probably in like you know product development mode like in a heavy heavy way right now because there's so many things the company now doesn't need to worry about because they've got google looking after them instead you know right um and i do think the um the overall like fervor has died down from the apple crowd like i don't know if anyone actually took them off their walls I, i hope not i think that's really childish reaction but i i you know uh like like you said i, I think they're good, think they're in good shape um but uh <laughs> it's it's kind of funny I, I didn't really put these two together until we did this document so they bought nest for 3.2 billion uh in early january and the end of january they sold motorola to lenovo for two point nine one billion yeah this this was such an interesting story because it proved what so many people thought was the point in the first place like Google originally bought Motorola as like a defensive strategy when they needed some patents right because they were going into a lawsuit with Apple they heavily overpaid because they did it in a rush and then they sold them for for a, just basically a hair under what they paid for them in the first instance yeah which is a little embarrassing um you know what a great deal for Lenovo though <laughs> like yeah Oh, actually, you know, no. Do you know what? I'm I'm totally wrong. So I have to correct myself. Uh, I, they they paid 12.5 billion for them in 2012, and then sold them for two billion in oh. January 2014. Uh, like that is, you know, what what a deal for Lenovo. Like, what an incredible <laughs> yeah. deal that they that they had. Yeah, it's so sad as well because Motorola were doing such interesting stuff. But uh, no. Not yeah, not were. not at least in the smartphone arena. Like, well, they were like their Android phones were awesome. Like, occasionally they had an awesome one. Like the original Droid was great. I owned one for a long time, but then they just got in bed with Verizon and made the Drodo, the the Drodo, the Drodo, the, the Drodo. <laughs> everybody everybody yeah. remembers that phone. It's a, it's a flightless Android phone. I'm talking about the stuff they did with Google, the G and the X. Yeah, and like, they were still... really interesting phones. 
Sure, I've owned a Moto G. Uh, the Moto X is great, and I think if I were to buy an Android phone today, I'd buy the Moto X. But it, you know, I think this story doesn't exist in a vacuum. None of these do, and this is like Motorola's decline. I think, and before the G and the X had a lot to do with Verizon, that they were making phones only for Verizon in the States. They were they were very aggressive in their marketing, but not in a good way. Uh, and Samsung came in and just ate their lunch. I mean, the for a you know, for a long time, the original droid was like the Android phone to buy, but then Samsung just flooded the market and Motorola's penetration never really made it past Verizon. And and so for Lenovo to come in and now they're you know doing the the G and the X have both been updated, um, they both look really good. I, th- I think the X especially looks amazing for for you know uh, coming from a company that's not Apple. Like it's the I think I really think it is one of the Android phones to buy. Um, but I think it's more interesting from the Lenovo perspective. You know they bought ThinkPad business forever ago from IBM. Lenovo has been very successful in the PC market, much more so than some of these other guys. And and they're you know I think Lenovo is slowly making a play to to be a real contender, but like everyone else, they don't control any of their own software. So I'm I'm curious what Lenovo is going to do with Motorola. They're going to continue you know so far they've run basically stock Android plus a few special features, um, but are they going to look at developing something else so they can own the whole stack? I genuinely think that in five years' time we'll look back and say how Google could have won, like completely flat out, could have won if they would have continued to make or just made their own devices. I really do think the fact that they do not make their own Android devices, which take advantage of everything that they try and make from a software side and really push the Nexus platform into being something that is its own brand, like what Microsoft is about to start doing with the Lumia brand. Right, but Google was in the same... Yeah, but Google is in the same... But Microsoft especially was in, you know, maybe before five or six years ago, where like if Google were to step in and say, hey, you know, we're going to make an Android phone. And people feared this when they did it. Um, like Google can't really like make Samsung angry because Google needs Samsung to run Android on its phones. I don't, or- I don't, I don't think it's the same. And the reason I don't think it's the same is because Google's revenue does not come from licensing of the software. Samsung now needs Google more than Google needs Samsung because the phones are already out there, so the market share's there, right? People have got... The phones are out there. Samsung need to be able to continue to sell new Galaxy phones, so they can't move away from Android now. So they will continue to do that. They are locked in in the way that potentially Windows OEMs weren't. And I, I genuinely think that Google should be making their own phones. I think it it would be a lot better for them if they were able to do that. Like one, Google should have bought Nokia, and Nokia should have made Android phones. Like for them, they they really missed out in in letting Microsoft get to them first. I I, I think that it's it is there are parallels or are lines to draw between them, but there are just enough nuance nuance differences where I think that it's going to make a big difference as, as over the next few years. The market's always going to be there, but they could be completely dominant, completely. Yeah, and you know, I I can't help but wonder from Google's perspective uh, how they view that scenario. Like, do they view it that it's okay that like Samsung takes Android and just does crazy things with it, or I mean, clearly they are to a degree because it continues to happen, and that you know they've made 
pushes with Lollipop and some other things to, you know, to incentivize OEMs to stay closer to stock. But um, it's definitely a an odd position. And, and I think your point about the licensing fee is really good. And um, clearly not exactly the same scenario. But, you know, it, it's it's weird, right? Like when you make a product uh, sort of for your competitors in a way. Like this is a really strange... It's like Samsung and Apple, right? Like Samsung and Apple are suing the each other into oblivion in court, but Samsung makes a ton of components for Apple's devices. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of weird, but then you have to remember these corporations are huge. And like Sam, the part of Samsung that like makes like chips and parts is different from the part of Samsung that's like selling phones in a sprint store. So, so that, anyways, that was January. <laughs> that was January. What's next on the calendar? So after January comes a little month called February, and it's a little month because it's shorter than all the other months, Stephen. I don't know if you know that, but sometimes oh. every four years it gets an extra day. It's like a little bonus. Did you know anyone who was born on a leap day? No, I do not know anybody who was I, born on a leap day. I grew up with uh, a girl. We went to school together who was born on a leap day. And so the joke was that she was like, I don't know if we were 16, that she was really four. I think she, she probably got tired of that joke. Yeah, probably. Um, but it's weird. It's it weird. is weird. So Microsoft has some news in February. Huge news. Huge. Huge news. Satya Nadella became the CEO um, in February. When did Balmer leave? It was in 2014, wasn't it? Well, they announced it, and then the takeover felt really quick. Like It felt like a matter of weeks that there yeah. was like a search, you know? Yeah, so maybe we can find that. Um, Kyle says August 2013. That seems too far back. Anyways, so th- so this guy Nadella was at Microsoft. He was in the uh, the part of the company that with cloud services. You know, not from like the consumer or enterprise like software side, but you know, cloud enterprise solution type stuff. Um, and I, for one, I don't know how you feel. I guess we're getting ready to hear. Um, I really like him. I think it's a great move for Microsoft, A, to hire from within. If you're going to do that, you, you can't pick somebody from Office or Windows because those products are not the whole story of Microsoft's future. I think they still have a part of Microsoft's future, but Microsoft has to become more well-rounded with things like Azure services uh, for it to survive in the 21st century. And that's where this guy comes from. It's his bread and butter. And so to put that at the CEO level is real smart. I am... Um maybe more excited about what Microsoft could do in the next few years than maybe any other tech company because they are like they are uniquely positioned right now to do some crazy stuff right because yeah. no one's really expecting them to do anything that all of the other tech companies are doing nobody's expecting Microsoft to have a great phone right no one's expecting that but everyone's expecting it of Google and Apple every year so Nadella can kind of do anything because their expectations are continue to have Office and Windows. And and that's that's just gonna happen, right? Because they, they don't even really need to innovate. Like and they still people are still gonna buy it. What they've proven if is if they innovate too much, people won't buy it. Right. So they can kind of coast on that and, and do some new things. And and clearly the company is like evolving and, and developing and changing because you've got like all the the um the Dropbox stuff is crazy to me but in the best possible way right so like the fact that you can 
Uh, you don't need to have an Office 365 account to use their apps anymore. You can just use Dropbox. And they're like heavily integrating Dropbox into Office. Like, that makes no sense because they have their own product. They have OneDrive. But what they're showing is we don't, we shouldn't, and it's the way everybody feels it should be, we shouldn't push people towards a product. Just let them into our platform however they want to get into it. Like, it's just, right. it's the way that, like, Nadella to me feels like an average nerd who thinks about things in average nerd ways rather than a CEO of a company. And and maybe, you know, I'm sure that's all, like, not all, but to a point, it's a facade, right? It's good business. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, yeah, it's just, it's just, I'm very interested in him and I'm very interested in what they're going to do next. Yeah, and they did they did announce his retirement uh, August of 2013. There's right. a uh, all things D link in the in the show notes. It felt quick though. But yeah, yeah, it did. And I think I think one thing that's so exciting about this guy is that Balmer was like the last man standing of the Mac and PC wars. Like Jobs is gone, Gates is more or less out of the picture, though he's kind of back now on, on the board. Um but like the the age of like 80s and 90s fighting for the desktop bomber was the veteran of that and and he carried that baggage into the 21st century i think that's i really think that's why you saw issues like um office not being on ios for a really long time like i can't help but think that part of that is at bomber's feet and and so to see that that generation of leadership um go into the sunset and to see somebody new who you know, d- didn't come up like railing against Apple, but you know, came up and Apple was just a known quantity, I think is a really like key difference. And I think one that like does free them up to do things. Microsoft doesn't have to, to always have an eye cut towards Apple anymore. They can fight with both hands. They don't have, to have one tied behind their back. I'm really speaking in a lot of metaphors today, Michael, like but it's because you. I'm excited. Um, if, like to a lesser extent, like saying what you did then about like being encumbered by the old wars, it's kind of a little bit like what Apple becomes in at WWDC, right? So Jobs yeah. and his like restriction on things and the way he needs to think about things went away, and then a bunch of Android-like features comes to iOS. Yeah, like there's there's a parallel. I mean, I I always feel like in these conversations, it has to be noted that. Microsoft's most profitable era was under the Marvel leadership. Like, it has to be noted because it's true. Um, and everybody says, you know, Mike failing Microsoft, but they're making more money with him than they did at any other point. But it was it's the irrelevance that's the problem. Right. Uh, uh, and the irrelevance not only in, like, the consumer space, but, like, what's terrifying to Microsoft is growing irrelevance in small and medium business. Like... Mike, you and I have a small business. Like I work for a small business as my day job. Like we don't use anything in Microsoft. Well, we, you and I use Skype, but like Google we're not dependent on them like we yep. would have been had we started our business in 1993. Yeah, Google definitely dominates our small business services without a shadow of a doubt. Like we use sure. them for you know Google Apps and we use Google Docs more than anything else. Like if you think like so many of the things that Microsoft used to do in the business we have we we use google instead like we don't use exchange and we don't use office right you know they're, they're kind of at the key business points and we just don't touch them ever sometimes i do have to use office because people send me weird documents but <laughs> that's it 
What is this tot DOC? <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it. Man, Office for the Mac is so bad. I know that yeah. they're going to be bringing out like the Metro one, and I cannot wait for that because yeah, it's so, can so I, many can I tell parts you, of it are not retina. It's can, just can, ridiculous. Before we move on to Facebook and WhatsApp, can I can I share with you something? Yes. Just between me and you. There's and nobody the listening, other. so. <laughs> That's fine. factually untrue. So I really... I liked Microsoft Entourage in college. Every student had an exchange account, and it was great because I really liked like mail, calendar, contacts all being in one app. And I really want that. Like, I want Outlook for the Mac to be good and be able to hook it up with an iCloud or Gmail account and like have everything in one application. But I'm not getting my hopes up because Office on the Mac hasn't been good since like Word five. Like past then, like Office ninety seven, ninety eight on the Mac, X two thousand four, whatever it is now. All of them bad, um, but uh, I want it to be good. I always think it's funny when you hear like you hear people say about you know how great the you know like oh that that team inside Microsoft they're like a real Apple team you know they're really focused <laughs> like have you used Office on a Retina machine? Yeah, if they are focused, they're focused on the wrong things because that is like a wasteland. It's horrible. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Facebook buys WhatsApp for 16 Instagrams. It's maybe the most ridiculous news of the year. Yeah, it's one... 19. Yeah. 19. In the document, incorrectly. 19 billion. I think... 19 billion. uh, 19 billion dollars. It wasn't 16 of it in cash and three in stock, something like that. Yeah, that's what we'll go with. Yeah. I don't... I'll be the first to admit that I don't... I didn't understand this at the time. Um... Because I think at least this is like the problem with the internet is that it's too big and I don't use WhatsApp. I barely use Facebook. And so for me to like understand what this means is difficult, but $19 billion is a big number. And this BBC article in the show notes says WhatsApp at the time had 450 million monthly users, which is insane. That's giant. what the kids call ginormous. That's not still not worth it though. Like in my eyes, like look if you look at some of the other acquisitions we're going to talk about and some of the ones we already have spoken about, Facebook is not worth this amount of money in my opinion. Sixteen billion dollars is an insane amount of money for WhatsApp. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Like it's it's a messaging app. Like and the only reason Facebook bought it is to keep their messenger app alive like there's no other reason they bought it because they didn't want whatsapp to be the biggest that's a real dumb thing to spend 16 billion dollars it's on. defensive and and but you got to remember too facebook is you know like they went on a shopping spree and it definitely was yeah but I mean, the thing is be- like because they keep the company separate people are still using whatsapp instead of <laughs> facebook but Facebook wins. Yeah, but they don't win because the reason that they're being defensive is so people stay inside the Facebook bubble. But they're not in the Facebook bubble inside of WhatsApp. All Zuckerberg has done is, is like, for his pride? Like, I, if they're not going to bring those users in, if they're not going to make WhatsApp, like Facebook WhatsApp, which they say they're not going to, then I don't understand the reason for it. Like, purely defensive doesn't make any sense because it's like if it's like if we bought another podcast network but then let them remain free 
for the mm-hmm. idea of competition. I mean, it, it's you know, it's like if you go, like if you pull off the side of the road somewhere and you're going, there's like four fast food restaurants. Three of them are owned by the same company, right? Like three of them are getting your five dollars, even though it's the illusion of choice. Well, that only works because out. in those scenarios, you're making money. WhatsApp, it has a revenue model. Yeah, they're but selling it, soft tacos on the side of the interstate. Wait, WhatsApp's revenue model metaphors. doesn't meet Facebook's revenue model. WhatsApp's Shh. revenue model is like a like a euro or a dollar a year, right? That's what you pay WhatsApp. Yes, but that doesn't meet what Facebook's revenue model is, which is ads. And in this, in the ideas where you've got three, you know, three restaurants all owned by the same conglomerate, the money floats back up to the conglomerate. Everyone's happy, but the, the the thing is, is like Facebook's business model comes from them being a place where you put all of your information into. And if they're not tapping into the WhatsApp info, which they say they're not going to, business left as it is, then it's kind of the only reason they bought it was just so Mark Zuckerberg didn't feel bad. Like, I guess. As, as time has gone on, I just can't see the real reason anymore. Like, a defensive move for what? Like, if everyone still leaves Messenger and goes to WhatsApp, Facebook are in no different situation than if they would never would have bought them in the first place. But anyway, unless they just kill WhatsApp, which uh, yeah, they will do. Done. Unplug the server. Um, it did kick off, though, what really, I think, I think if you look at this year... In technology and really broad strokes. I think there are a couple highlights. I think one of them is messaging. Um, and this really sort of kicked that off. You know, I think what Apple's doing with iMessage, it predates 2014, but 2014 added SMS relay. So you can send SMS messages sort of via the iMessage bridge. Um, Facebook Messenger is now its own application. It's spun out of the main app. Um, and you have things like Slack that have absolutely taken over for small small businesses and teams uh, for for it's a messaging like scenarios. I mean, it's really private messaging really blew up in 2014, which seems so weird because like we all used AIM for a decade, and then now in the last year there've been six or seven different things people have tried. But um, it's been a really exciting year for that sort of that little corner of things. So we move on to March, and we can kind of blast through March really. Uh, CarPlay launched, yes, and nothing's happened, yes. So, but that was kind of as expected, I think, because car technology is slow to move. Um, but yeah, we we have that. Uh, Office for iPad came out. This is kind of uh, Satya's big first big thing. But they, yeah, they've been sitting on this iPad up for who knows how long, and, and just, he put just, it out in the world. Just, yep, just sort of squirted it out. Yep. <laughs> Office for <laughs> iPad. We <laughs> got that. So, well done, buddy. Uh, Android Wear was announced. Um, Google were the first company to kind of tip their hand and show what this type of thing could look like on a wearable device. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they, they had a good first outing. Uh, a lot of the devices leave something to be desired. Software is quite interesting. Um, but I think Apple's owning of the stack will, will make them a, a, in a lot better position. I think I think so, too. And what what were the I guess it was like the LGG watch, the Moto 360, like all those sort of first generation mm-hmm. uh, Android Wear products. And what 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 is interesting about Android Wear, as opposed to Android sort of proper, what we think of as Android, is Android Wear is very locked down. These these companies have very like 
your LGG watch and the Moto 360 operate the same way. They do the same things. Yeah. All they can do is they can give you different watch faces. Right. You Which can is like your own watch faces. Like backing up to January or whenever it was. If Google had done that with Android itself, like how different would this would this playing field be? Um, but they didn't, and they are exposing or like controlling Android Wear in a very particular way, which isn't new for Google, and I think the right move, especially for a device that like I don't want like Samsung running some like really cruddy software on my on my watch and it dying after three hours. So I understand why they're doing it. I think it's the the smart move. Yep, so we'll see how that goes. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Facebook buys Oculus for $2 billion and more Facebook insanity. Uh, yes. But this one, this one I think makes more sense. Uh, what? Why? Makes more sense than WhatsApp, but still to pay twice this amount than Instagram doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's two Instagrams. And well, because this like, is a bet on the future. But... Like, but Mark Zuckerberg's reasoning for this made so much sense to me. It was like, I don't know if he said it actually, but people said it about him. Facebook missed out on mobile. Yes, they did. In a huge (laughs) way. They weren't there for a long time. They're still catching up. They're still catching up. If VR is the next big thing, they are in with the company that's pioneering it. And if it's not, it's going to be like the company that invested in newtons like yeah i don't know but a company that can drop six billion dollars for defensive reasons two billion dollars is fine because you you can imagine a a facebook product which is in virtual reality like you can imagine that and uh, they could do a lot of things that are interesting with with that technology um yeah that i can see all all my family's photos and terrible political views in 3d around me it's exactly you can have them thrown into your face by your family Basically, how Christmas break was. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tried explaining, to, so it. I, I don't know if this happens to you, um, Michael, Michael Hurley of the United Kingdom, but no one in my family understands podcasting, let alone podcasting network, letting let alone making money at podcasting and like having a business partner who works full time on it. Um, I think one of my uncles thinks I'm involved in like illegal Bitcoin mining. It's it very like it's it. I really lost control of the narrative. Well, trying what, to explain what relay was. One of my grandparents thought that I was involved with Julian Assange at one point. So that's another thing. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's <laughs> definitely what we're doing here. Uh, so we're we're up to April. Yeah, you're gonna need to help me with this one because I never really understood this in the first place. Okay, so uh, April marked the. Uh, the news of the Heartbleed um, on April 9th of this year. And, I mean, to boil Heartbleed down... That sounds horrible. Yes, to boil your heart down into like a little (laughs) nugget, a little heart nugget. Uh, It was was, uh, an issue with OpenSSL, just a security dingus and uh it was really bad and basically every almost every major web server or web service you have ever used had this issue um, because everyone relied on this technology and it was uh not not great i mean people were saying you need to change all your passwords you need to you know um set your computer on fire yeah which i mean i definitely did not do um but at the same time like it like Heartbleed was a serious issue, and having this like critical vulner- vulnerability in 
SSL is scary because the world relies on things like this. Um, but at the same time, like now, you know, eight months later, like I didn't see any side effects of this. I don't, you know, like I didn't have my email or my Dropbox account broken into. Um, it was just it one almost, of those times where basically I was just getting like multiple emails a day from every web service I've ever signed up for telling me oh, yeah. they were okay. Yeah, it's, I really like, it felt, it's, it feels now at least more like a theoretical security breach than an actual one. I know there were real problems, but, you know, not being a web developer, like it didn't affect me day to day. Um, but definitely a good, at the very least, a good reminder for you know everyone to have you know uh unique strong passwords and not to use the same thing everywhere because mm-hmm. uh, if you do and it's leaked at one place it's leaked everywhere else so um you know i think i think yahoo was was hit pretty hard um they had usernames and passwords leak according to cnet um google had some issues i mean uh, big name companies this wasn't just little startups also in April uh, of this year, Mac Stories 4.0 launched the world and we, we finally got the responsive design that we all wanted. Um, I really love uh, the way that Mac Stories looks now. Like I really, really like it a lot. I think Federico and Co. did a great job. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that it's there. I'm happy that his really long articles don't crash my web browser anymore. <laughs> so that's always good because that, that boy, he loves to write. He does. It does look really good. Um I remember seeing the first versions of it. You know, he was sharing screenshots with us, and I was like, "You have to do this!" Like, <laughs> yeah, um, it's it looks great, and um, it's been a great year for for being a Mac Stories reader. I think Federico is doing the best work he's ever done. Definitely. Um, yeah. I don't just say that because he's not here. I would say it if he was here, but then he'd get embarrassed. So we should talk, stop talking about him because he didn't show up today. So. Yeah, what's up with that guy? I know, right? Let's talk about our second sponsor for this week, and that is Sketch Party TV, the fun, fast drawing and guessing game for Apple TV. Using AirPlay mirroring, you can turn your HDTV into a Wi-Fi drawing canvas and a high-tech party game. It's perfect for holiday parties and family get-togethers, special occasions, or impromptu game nights. Sketch Party TV is a drawing game for two teams of up to eight players per team that plays a little bit like Pictionary. The standard gameplay settings give each player five words to draw in the space two minutes and each player gets two of these two minute turns with six total players a full game can be played in around half an hour all you need is an apple tv and an ipad or an iphone games can be customized to be a lot as long or brief as you like with options for the number of words to draw per turn and a time limit to draw them in with word lists of varying difficulty there's even a word list for kids there are thousands of words to draw in seven different languages including french german spanish english and even italian sketch party tv is great for the classroom too with a custom word list editor available as an in-app purchase the custom word list editor is regularly an additional 199 but through to january 5th the editor add-on is totally free so you want to get in now and get it now Stephen, you have been playing sketch tv what has been your opinion of the game it's been great it's you know when you hear things like AirPlay or like stream it to your apple tv you think of things like lag or it being problematic but like it was none of those things drawing on the iphone it being on the tv immediately like it the technology doesn't get in the way of having the fun it it only makes it more fun um and uh it's it's great uh if you know if you're one to have people over or have you know family game night or something it's definitely something that should be in your uh 
in your collection. It's critically acclaimed and enjoyed by people worldwide, including Stephen Hackett from Memphis, Tennessee. Sketch Party TV is available in the App Store or at sketchparty.tv slash connected. So what's up next? We are now in May, and May is the month in which Apple acquired Beats, this little company called Beats Music slash and Beats Electronics for three Instagrams. What a shock this was. Like, I was thinking about this when we were going back and when the rumors came out and everyone was like, nah, that'd be so crazy. You're crazy. But now look where we are. They've they've done it and haven't really seemed to do much. So, yeah, so this is like CarPlay or like any of these other things. And again, like, stuff takes time, but how is that how is it the beat streaming app is still like separate from iTunes radio? Um, they've done a little bit on the headphones front, like beats is, you know, more prominently shown in Apple stores, but they left the brand separate and they haven't done anything with the software yet. Um, clearly I, th- I think, I think the further we get away from this, I think the more clear to me at least is that this was about staffing of having the co-founders at Apple and the technology was sort of a bonus um, because they haven't like been quick to rush uh, rush in on Beats Music and, and make changes. I, I actually, the more that I've thought about it, think that in a couple of years' time, we'll look back and see that it was about the hardware stuff. It was about selling uh, Apple products to young people again, making yeah. it cool, making it the white headphones, you know? Right, because you know, people like me are dying off and they need a new group of consumers. Yep. And I think that uh, this coming year, we're going to see some some cool Beats Bluetooth headphones that go with the Apple Watch. I think that that's going to yeah. be a th- something we're going to see. Um, and they're going to be like Apple Beats, you know, like Beats by Apple. That's going to be like the first Beats by Apple product. Um, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see about that. But I, I think that there's going to be something. There's going to be a physical product that the Beats team releases. Um, and in a few years' time, Beats will just be a division of Apple that we know that make music-related stuff. It's where, it's where their music is going to go. Like, you know, the Apple's love for music? That's all right. just going to be tied up in Beats. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at, at the iTunes model of, hey, I want this album. I'm going to go pay $12 for that album. It's going to download on my computer. Then I sync it to my iPod. Like, that is broken on numerous levels uh, from the device you know, now being instead of an iPod that is dependent on a FireWire or USB connection, it's a smartphone that's in our pockets, at, you know, all times of the day and night with the always on internet connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't buying music anymore. They're streaming. And Apple's model worked really well for a decade. But it's if they want to continue to be uh, the leader of the pack when it comes to digital music and, you know, sort of like music on the go, they had to move into streaming and, and, Beats definitely offered a lot of good things at a at a good price, and so uh, it's you know it's weird because we don't like Apple makes acquisitions, we just don't always see them. I think the second you know you got a couple famous ones. You have this, you have Next. I think for those of us who follow Apple a little more closely, um, uh, the PA semiconductor guys who are now building the chips in in the Apple devices, like those are big. Those are kind of like the big three. Like I can't even name a fourth without sitting here and actually thinking about it. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I really think I agree with you, Mike. I think twenty fifteen we're going to start to see some some movement here, especially around the watch. You know, Beats is a fashion brand. Apple's leveraging the watch as a fashion accessory. I think there's a lot of potential there for some interesting things. 
Indeed. <sighs> what else do we have? App.net died. Yeah, it was sad. It's, it, it, it's sad. Yeah. Especially it's now. <laughs> That's the last blog post. Oh. <laughs> they haven't posted since then. So uh, May 6, 2014, App.net, um, they, you know, basically laid off their staff except what some people to keep it uh keep it actually running um they're going to move to contractors they open sourced a bunch of their code there was this um, thing there there was this this uh there was a thing that could tell you how many active users there were if anyone in the chat room can find that out for me i'd really love to know or maybe someone send it in as follow up like how what is the current active user base of app.net because I just I wonder how far good. away are they before they just shut down completely. And I think they could do it at this point and not make any any noise about it. You know, <laughs> yeah, account. you could do it and no one would know. That's so sad. <laughs> I'm going to log in to it now. Five twelve was still like auto posting to it to, to like three months ago. Yeah, I'm totally logging in as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna post. Yeah, we're gonna bring their servers down. There there um, are actually people still posting. It looks like it's automatic. Mostly Thomas Brand. I'm posting to Amp on that. We're reviving the service. There's a, there's a red light going off somewhere. I'm also app.netting because we're we're app.netting. Oh, look at that old avatar. Yeah, mine. I I was surprised by mine too. All right, I'm gonna see what my profile says. Volcano executive, blogger, podcaster, internet broadcaster, and producer. You can find my shows on Five by Five. So there we go. Hashtag TBT. There you go. So June, you know, for those of us in the Apple camp, June is the big month of the year with WWDC. Uh, there's a, a lot to cover here. Um, iOS 8, Yosemite, uh, Renee Ritchie called it a love letter to developers. Um, you know. <laughs> it was it then, was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was then, and now it's like a big middle finger. Um, that's harsh. Now it's like a cold shoulder. Now yeah. Apple like went to bed before you came home. And <laughs> wow, this uh, is, I don't. You're really on the metaphors today. Like, it's yeah, I'm. Um, I'm deep in it today. So you know, you and I were both there, and I've been to a couple of these things now, and there was definitely a level of excitement after the keynote, and and really, like, what was amazing to me in hindsight was that excitement, like, didn't lessen throughout the week. You know, some of these events you go out to and it's like, hey, keynote stuff. And, like, the week goes on and people are in uh, sessions. And they're NDA'd, but when you're there, people talk. And, you know, it's like, yeah, they're doing this stuff. Like, this year, like, as the week went on, the excitement just kept, you know, the same pace. The people were excited about what they were seeing behind closed doors. Um, I remember coming back, flying back. Um, you know, watching videos on the plane and just like being excited about where, where Apple was headed. And I think that the current, like whatever is happening in the app store business, like I hope that's a, a speed bump to this world that Apple promised of devices that know each other and can interact with each other seamlessly. And with things like Swift, lowering the barrier to entry to development for iOS and OS 10. There's a bunch of really good stuff. And Yosemite's, while weird in places, like a really good version of OS X. And iOS 8, a little buggy in places, but a really good release of iOS. And I'm not, I still have that excitement that I had in WDC, but it's sort of like, you know, um, 
it's worn off a little bit. It's been beat up a little bit by, you know, the, the subsequent months of, of news and app store rejections. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I think Swift was maybe the biggest surprise out of everything. Uh, the fact I think so because it, it came everything else had sort of been rumored or, um, or was expected or was like right. a little surprise but this yeah. was a big surprise that nobody knew anything about yeah and yeah, part of this is that it was a very small team but you know and, and sort of like Tim Cook's Apple they announced Swift and then there's like a book on the iBook store like that night, like we were sitting in the hotel bar and people have their iPads out, like flipping through this ebook about Swift. Like, like what is happening? You know, like a very different sort of sort of approach. Um, and and clearly, you know, we're in Tim Cook's Apple. Uh, we're post um, uh, Katie Cotton a little bit, and at this point, um, you're starting to see those changes in the way Apple relates to the press and to developers. And you know, I think they're still trying to to lay on their feet from some of those changes. Um, but I think that WWDC 2014 will, will go down as an important one. Definitely. Yep. Now we have the sad part of June. The, the very sad. Well. Have, I played with one. Did I tell you this? I spent some time with one. Thomas Brand has one. He was in town. Yeah. The Amazon Fire Phone is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really. It's, it's just terrible. Like, we did uh, the upgradees yesterday, our award show on upgrade, uh, and the Amazon Fire Phone was like my biggest disappointment of the year. I just think it's so ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Like, just because why are they doing it? Like, what are they trying to achieve? Like, there's no point in them doing it. And if they're going to do it, they need to have a great phone. And they have just, a, by all means, like a terrible phone to the point where, like, you know, Amazon have even kind of said, yeah, it didn't do very well. And you can just get it for like for nothing now, and on a contract, it's it, yeah. They they it's hyped clunky, it up so it's, much, it's, and mm. then it's just like a disappointment and a waste of time and money. Yeah, I, I want to do an Amazon, uh, if probably not an episode, but definitely a section on Amazon pretty soon. But I think Amazon has this really like core problem of that Amazon has some really great things about it. Like their store is great. Their, their services. So S3 AWS, like that's some really good, like good technology going on. But then you get into their consumer products and like, I like the Kindle voyage. Not everybody did. Um, but like their tablets and, and now the phone, like they forked Android, their fork isn't very good. You're stuck in the Amazon app store, which is pretty miserable. And it's just like, I don't, I don't understand why Amazon is doing that. If, if Amazon's goal you know, the Fire Phone has this feature, like you point it at a Coke can and it, like, you can order like Coke from the Amazon store. Um, like if their goal was to like extend their e-commerce like platform into the real world, like put that app on every device you can find, like build that, yeah, build that Apps. app for like Blackberries, like yeah, put it everywhere, exactly. and st- don't like lock it away on like your weird little phone with your weird little fork of Android with like four cameras, three D perspective, and menus flying around, like. I, it like your what main, they say their goals yeah, are don't make sense. One of your main selling points for your phone shouldn't be to help you buy things on our web service. Like it doesn't even make sense, but it's been in the ads. Like, look how cool Flow is. You can buy stuff. It's like that's not a benefit. Like I can. It's yeah. It's weird. It's really really weird. I think that Flow is an app. Um, on on the iPhone. 
I don't know. But yeah, I mean, okay, make it. That's fine. But don't like, don't make a phone based around it. It does, doesn't make any sense. Amazon don't need a phone. Like they just don't no. need a phone. It doesn't make any sense. But and it, I think you know, it's hurting their like consumer stuff, like their consumer technology, whatever branding they have there. Like it, it's going to take a lot for the public to take the next Amazon phone or four Amazon phones from now seriously because like they really got off on the wrong foot. Mm -hmm. July. We're up to July now, Michael. It's hot now. It's really, it's it's hot outside. It's July. Yeah. Um, It's America's birthday. So happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, Obama. Um, Apple and IBM, their global partnership to transform enterprise mobility was announced. July 15th. Uh, big surprise news again. Would never yeah. have expected this. I don't think if you would have given me enough guesses, I could have guessed this would happen. I mean, it's it's weird. Uh, and if they have some apps out, I think that's later in the year or you know, pretty recently. But, you know, Apple looking at the enterprise where Apple historically has not been strong, even on the Mac. And saying, hey, we want to go there. How do we get there? Well, IBM owns the space. Um, and really, like, <clears throat> like, IBM does stuff in the enterprise like we don't see. Like, a lot of, like, if you're a big company and you need, like, a cloud service to track your widget, like, IBM builds that for you. It, it's not like they sell, you know, they don't sell, they sold their hardware to Lenovo. Um, they don't make chips anymore, really, for Apple. But it's it's very, like, enterprise behind the curtain type stuff. It's a trusted brand to enterprises, and Apple is riding it on their coattails. They're building, they're building apps together. They're selling iOS devices. Um, and I think, again, I think it's like new Apple under Tim Cook, like seeing its weaknesses and partnering with people to to counter those weaknesses. Jobs never would have done it. I don't think he would. He would never would have done it. Just because IBM was the enemy once. Yeah. You know? August. Um, I think this was a tech story to a point, uh, but I think it's an interesting one. I think it leaves a chilling effect, which was the the hacks or social engineering hacks uh, on celebrities that led to a bunch of uh, compromising photos um, and information being leaked out. And the reason that I, I thought this was interesting to include was where it ended up seeming to be Apple's poor security from a... Uh, security questions perspective and some of the stuff around that and some of Christina Warren's work uh, on this was incredible. Um, I just thought that it was interesting that basically the news reported this as the iCloud hack. Uh, and and it kind of stuck that way. It did. And I think, um, I think because on the surface, that's what it is. These photos were in iCloud or PhotoStream or something. I mean, we're the photo management show, and I barely understand how it works. And then we're out in the public. But like in reality, and we'll we'll link to um, Christina's piece where like she went through the steps, um, and like th- this was a so is not exactly like Matt Honan's deal, but this was like social engineering and like a lot of things in play, like an Apple address some security stuff. Like a lot of this was around their, if I remember correctly, their security questions and like you could get your way around them. Um, 
that was also part of Matt Honan's deal. Um, but I think overall, like this, the, the story like went away. Like I don't like people today aren't like turning, still turning off iCloud photo stream because their selfies are going to end up on Reddit. Like I don't, I think it was a, it was a thing. And I think while it was portrayed as iCloud was hacked, I, I do think that the real story and sort of like the whole story did get out a little bit because I, I don't think iCloud took that big of a hit reputation wise. Yeah, I, I think that it, what it, whether iCloud does or not, I think it does have an effect for the cloud as a thing, um, and the way that people react maybe react to that. And yeah, I, I think that it could be interesting that you know we may not see celebrities use this stuff in the same way, which may lead to less endorsements. I don't know, but it was a it was a big story that had a tech component like to the point where it kind of still keeps popping up in different news outlets every now and then i thought it would be worth uh, at least mentioning oh yeah absolutely but the biggest news in august was uh relay fm <laughs> oh yeah yeah we did that we, in august we, august we 18th did. if my memory yeah. serves me well enough and i just wanted to mention it because it was the biggest news of my year um, me too you had, well, you had a son, son. <laughs> <laughs> come on buddy <laughs> It was my biggest professional news. There you go. Congratulations. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, I think we've talked a little bit about it. I, I don't know if this is the right channel to do that, but, you know, it's, it really started over the summer, and, but it was very quick. I mean, by the time we, we sat down and started working and we were launched, it was, like, super fast. We didn't um, even have a website in WBDC. Like, <laughs> we did, no, it wasn't even, it was still very much just a, an idea. Um, and the work didn't start until after WWDC. So, but yeah, it's here, um, and we're really uh, excited about what we're doing in 2015. We're also excited that Amazon bought Twitch. So, Mike, I'm not a gamer. Can you yep. explain Twitch? Like, I don't, okay. A, like, look at this URL on Amazon's press release. It's phx.corporate-ir.net. I don't know what the IR could mean. I think it's infrared. Ah, uh, corporate infrared. That's how we get into So, URL. like, explain Twitch to me because I, I, I don't... Like, I know what it is, but, like, why is it special? Why should I care? So, you wouldn't. <laughs> if I were a gamer, why should I care? Right, so, basically, Twitch is a way for people to live stream their video games. That's that's in essence what it is. They do a lot of other video game related content, so like award ceremonies and stuff. Um, and E3, like the presentations, they get streamed on Twitch. It's basically a video community for uh, gamers, and like it's being baked into consoles now. So natively, you can start streaming to Twitch from the PS4 and the Xbox uh, One, and. It, it's basically a way that people show the game that they're playing uh, to people that want to watch. And it's kind of like, um, you know, there's the, this big esports thing, you know, that's, that's really kind of seeing a, a growth now. And I think a lot of the Twitch stuff helps with that. We had Twitch Plays Pokemon, which was the best thing of, of the year, <laughs> uh, which was just this insane, insane thing that happened. Um I, I, it's difficult to explain, but basically it's... Because when the way that I can try and explain it, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a way that people watch other people play video games. Okay. 
Like, Polygon wrote, uh, they, they did a really, really, really great piece about Twitch, which I will put in the show notes. You need to read it because it's better than I could ever explain it. It's like a, a full, this was all before the, the, um, the purchase uh, and it kind of explains how Twitch was born by accident out of Justin TV. Do you remember Justin TV? I do. Yep, they shut that down slightly before the the uh, purchase by Amazon. Um, it was it, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to the video game community, and and, and I I wish Federico was here so I could have someone help me explain it. But is it is it in trouble with Amazon? Like, what's the feeling that Amazon owns it? Nothing's happened. So it's like uh, all these other purchases we've talked about. It's like most of the stuff that Amazon buys, they leave it alone for a very long time. And but, then they put four cameras on it to make it 3D. Well, then they just call it Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. But I mean... The worst thing that Amazon could do in this scenario was do that. I mean, but you look at IMDb. Do you, do you even remember that IMDb is owned by Amazon? I do. You do remember that? Like every time you go there? I mean, I just know it as a fact. Yeah. But it's like when you go to the site, it doesn't say like Amazon Prime instant movie information. Right. You know? But it could. So, but it could. But they haven't done that. And I think that was the, one of their first acquisitions. So, Yeah, it was... Um, man, dude, IMDb was launched October 17th, 1990. Yeah, it was one of the, one of the very first websites. That's it's as old as you I've are. Claimed that. I've claimed that as a fact. IMDb oh, good. was the first website. Did you know that? I know I, that that is not accurate. Of all the websites, IMDb was the first. That's what IMDb stands for. Internet's most difficult brand. There you go. IMDb, <laughs> their first website. <laughs> so website we also have uh, Bomber surfacing again in August. He bought the LA Clippers. Uh, I don't remember how many Instagrams he paid for it. Let's see. An amount of Instagrams. Uh, two Instagrams. And is um, st- stepped off the board of directors. Um, and there's a picture of him yelling in front of a Clipper sign. And I can just see him shouting like, point guards, point guards, developers, developers. But um, this I mean, I think... making any sense to me. Have you never seen the Steve Ballmer developer, developer joke? No, or point, a video? I don't know what point guards are. Uh, it's a position in basketball. It's fine. So he's he's off Michael Jordan. Board. I think um like I look at Balmer now and like you know, he it's ousted as a CEO. Like who wants to stay around in that environment? Um but like he just bought an NBA team because he can. And you know what? I'm not one to judge that because that's frankly pretty cool. Um and if you're a rich guy, you can do that. And so I think he's just hanging out, like being a dude and buying basketball teams. And um, who doesn't want to do that, honestly? Me? Yeah. Mm. If you were ever in the States during basketball season, I would take you to a game. I used to, to go to basketball in London. There was a team called the London Leopards. <laughs> the London Leopards? Were they itchy? 
This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit Squarespace and enter the offer code WORLD at checkout. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. When it comes to finding a place for yourself on the internet, Squarespace is the place that you should go. It's the place you should start. They put all of the power that you need into your own hands and take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. Squarespace have fantastic templates. I'm going to ask Stephen Hackett some questions in a moment. They have 15 new templates that they've added with their fantastic new Squarespace 7 platform. Squarespace have taken everything that they've learned over the years of powering millions of sites on the web to make their platform even better with Squarespace 7. One of these new things is something that they're calling the cover page. This allows you to create a really great looking single page website with all of the power of a full Squarespace site. They're really cool for personal websites or as a full page intro to your site. You know, maybe you've got something special that you want to promote. And as we head into the new year, why not make this a new little resolution for yourself to go and check out Squarespace's new cover page. You may find a really good use for it uh, for your own website. Mr. Stephen Hackett, can you tell me about some of the things that you've done with Squarespace recently and why you love it? Yeah, I did two things recently. Uh, one, I launched or relaunched StephenHackett.com. I think if you can own your do- your name as a domain, I think you should. It's a good way for people to find you. And it's just a picture of my face with much more hair on it than there is currently and a little bit about me and some, some links uh, to things I do. Um, you know, just I think it's important for people to stumble across it, they know where to find you. Um, but 512 Pixels, my, my blog runs on Squarespace and... Um, just did a little bit of touch up on the design just this week, and they're it's great. They have a lot of drag and drop stuff. You can put blocks in. You can hover over something and change the fonts. But then you can drop in and do custom CSS. You can do your own JavaScript, um, and that's all without the, the developer tools. Like I'm just on their standard account, and you have a lot more power. Like Squarespace is super easy, but that doesn't mean that it's not incredibly powerful. And that that balance, I think they strike really well. Of if you don't ever want to see that stuff, you don't have to. But if you want to, it's over here and it, it works the way you expect it to. I think that's great. Squarespace have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Ireland who are there to help you maybe if you drop something in the wrong place like I probably would. If I was in the CSS, then I'm sure that the support teams could help me out to unbreak what I break. Uh, if you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain allowing you to choose exactly what you want your website to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can start a trial with no credit card required right now and start building a website today by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and share your support for Connected. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, start here go anywhere so now september we're in q4 now guys q4 we're on the, the leaves are starting to change a little bit they are nice. oh look at those leaves changing it's nice wow uh, leaves why are you changing big news in our corner of the world the apple keynote iphone 6 apple watch apple pay big big event we, we, we spoke about it at length but i think the thing that sticks with me now, a couple of months later, having not rewatched it or anything, is that the phone like sort of played second seat to the watch, and it really was the watch event. And they were like, "Oh, we have iPhones, and we're going to get the." And they were done with the phones in like eighteen minutes or something. Um, and clearly, like the the further we get away from it, the more I think about next year. Like, Apple is like all of Apple is 
behind this effort for the watch for better or for worse. And I think that's going to be the story of next year coming out of Cupertino is all about the watch. When do you think we're going to hear about the watch next? I think we're going to see it sooner than most people think. Um, I'll leave it at that. Oh, see, you probably don't know anything, but it makes it sound like you do. I know. Actually, I know exactly what you know. So there's that. Um, you put Ben Gate in here. What do you think? Of, what? Why? I mean, do you think that's... That was a big story. Was it? Yeah, it was a big story. Bendy Is it still iPhones, a big story? Because people still ask me if my iPhone bends. I still get asked that question every time people see it. Oh, does it bend? No. I'll bend your face. No, I don't say that. Uh, it, it's annoying. It's annoying. Is it bent? Yes. Um, mine is a little bent. So if I mine's in the Apple leather case, but if I take it out and I put it like face down on like, like a glass table, something I know is perfectly flat, like the the corner that the camera's on, and then the diagonal corner, like I can push them like up and down, and it rocks a little bit. Which See, is what happens if you put it face down? Well, so if it's face down, yes. So your phone is bent. Yeah. I don't have a bent phone. Oh, I thought you said you did. No. Yeah, mine has definitely bent a little bit, and I know exactly when it happened, um, and I know exactly what caused it, and that's just uh, just sad for me. What happened? And it bothers what me. What caused it? That's uh, embarrassing. I didn't. I did not sit on it. What did you do? I keep it in my car. Um, the handbrake is in like a leather boot. I think is what it's called, and I put it what? like next to the e-brake. Um, it's like, you know, like a like leather cover that goes down. Uh. It's like a little pocket. And so I dropped my phone in there. Um, it was like the USB cable runs there really nicely. And, uh, so I put it there and then I got out of my car one day and I pulled the emergency brake with my phone still in there. And the phone kind of got wedged between the emergency brake and like the <laughs> side of the little container it lives in and it bent. You don't deserve to own an iPhone anymore. Stop! It's really embarrassing. You need to have your phone taken away. You clamped it in with the emergency <laughs> brake. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I have it in a case, to, and the case basically is enough that um, I don't notice. So, but now so everybody knows. Yeah, this is one. Of, the next one is one of the biggest stories, I think, and one of the most underestimated stories of this year, which is uh, Microsoft buying Mojang, who uh, own and created Minecraft for two point five billion dollars. Huge news! Uh, so much so that Notch could buy, outbid uh, Jay Z and Beyonce for a me- uh, like a mega mansion. Did you see that? Like in Beverly Hills? Did you see? Yeah, this? he bought he bought a huge house with like a candy factory in the basement. Yeah, but the, like the the huge. I think the biggest part of it is he outbid Beyonce and Jay Z. Well, Jay Z's last album wasn't very good. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they are. I'm sure that they are. Uh, and then, did you see the tweet where he just like he just tweeted about it? Yeah, and it was just it, him like just with his feet up, which is just the best. Yeah, best that's the picture I'm thinking ever. of. It looks like there's a wall of like jelly bean containers. Yeah, and him. and I've read some other tweets by him later. It's like he doesn't even like jelly beans, but it, he felt like it was the best way to show his crazy house. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think mean, if you live in a house that has a candy wing, that you're doing pretty well. Seventy million dollars. Yeah, Wonderful. that's crazy, crazy pants. So Microsoft owns Minecraft. 
Um, so I uh, am sort of like, I, every time I open my mouth on the show, I sound old. Yep. Can I just preface this? Yep. So my son got some Minecraft stuff for Christmas, and he doesn't play Minecraft. It was from a, a extended family member. Um, and so now it's like, so now Minecraft is in my home. Like he's not playing it, but like he's aware of it now. And you know, he's six, um, which I think is a little young. Um, but like I know it's coming, and like I'm actually pretty excited about it. You know, he's big into so many Legos in my house right now from Christmas. Um, like he likes the building and. Like, thinking that way. Um, and again, like, like my question with Amazon, like, is this okay? Like is, is, is Minecraft in good hands with, with, in Redmond? Unclear. Um, I mean, probably. <laughs> That's like a robot answer. Yeah. Well, now it's on windows phone. <laughs> Situation unknown. It's still, I think the top paid app or top grossing app in the iOS app store. It's been that way for like a year. Yeah. So it's now on Windows Phone, which is hilarious. Like it just arrived relatively quickly. Um, yeah, top top paid app. It's got four and a half stars with ten thousand reviews. My original concern, which which remains as a concern for me, again, even no matter what uh, Mojang and Microsoft say, Microsoft have the ability now to pull the plug on Minecraft on any other platform except the PC and Xbox, and. The fact that they've said they're not going to do that means that I also don't understand why Microsoft did this. Uh, because the biggest video game on the planet, arguably, or the, maybe the fastest growing, I don't know, it's probably not the biggest, but it's probably the, the most important video game at the moment, like it has been for, for some time and will be again for, for even further. It is the Mario of the current kids generation right it's gonna spawn a whole different like i i think that minecraft is incredibly important uh i would actually recommend um listening to there's an episode of virtual i think it was last week's episode uh where federico plays for the first time it's hilarious just to listen just to how emotionally uh invested and upset he gets Mm-hmm. When playing the game, um, but then I also go on this big rant about how important I think Minecraft is, so I don't want to just rehash it all because I actually think that you should listen to that. It's the f- it's like the first part of the episode too, so you don't have to listen to all of it if you're not interested in video games. So it's episode nineteen. Um, but what I find so crazy about about this is they paid two point five billion dollars for it, where I cannot see how WhatsApp is. Nine, worth $19 billion, that much more important than Minecraft. Like, I don't get it. Minecraft is one of the most important things on the planet right now because it is, and it's still got a long life ahead of it because kids are obsessed with this game. Like, right. obsessed with this game. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I was sort of digging around when we were talking about the amount of users. You said 400 million users, right, for Minecraft? Uh, for for yeah. WhatsApp? Yeah, 450, I think. So, Minecraft in February uh, passes 100 million registered users. This is for a video game. Yeah. It's 100 million registered users of a video game. Like it's All the people. And people get obsessed. I, mean, I, I just think that... I think the importance of this acquisition is underplayed and I think that it was way underpriced and I will never understand how it came to be this amount. Like Microsoft bought a cultural phenomenon for $2.5 billion. Crazy. It's weird, it's weird when you say it like that too. Um, so, there you go. 
October, we had another I, Apple event, which was kind of, uh, I mean, not really that important in wow. the grand scheme of things. I, well, I mean, what, what uh, was uh, announced? Like, uh, compared to the watch, yeah. sure. But, I mean, iPad Air 2, like, that's fine. The iPad Mini is sad. I think the Retina iMac is a big deal, but I will admit to being somewhat biased in this regard. Um, but I think the Retina iMac is a big deal. And um, but I think the big, I think the big story of October is Tim Cook. Uh, his his essay in Business Week. I re I re read it, reread it for uh, today's episode, and like, still get chills reading it. It's so powerful, um, and so important. So incredible. For, yeah, I think it's the most important thing that Apple have done this year. Yeah, shadow I think- of a doubt. There, it's, there are some ch- just choice words in here which are so powerful. Like I, I want to find, I want to find the quote. Like that, I still think about this a lot. Where Steve says, Steve, <laughs> where Tim says, "So let me be clear. I'm proud to be gay, and I consider being gay among the greatest gifts God has given me." Like, I love that line so much. I think that is such a, such a powerful line, uh, because there are so many people that would. Yeah. disagree with that so fundamentally uh mm-hmm. and i and i and i really really love it i really love it and and i love tim's like how courageous and gutsy this is of a thing to do like the nerve that it must have taken to be able to to be the most powerful ceo on the planet and uh to to say something like this is is just so incredible and it's so influential yeah, and and sort of on a, a, a zoomed out model a little bit, you know, Apple under Steve Jobs was not influential in politics or in social issues. Um, Steve Jobs sort of famously like didn't, at least that we know of, like give a lot of money to to things. Uh, his wife has has done some some things, um, but but with under Tim Cook, Apple has under his direction has been throwing its weight around a little bit you know they the sort of famous stockholder meeting where the guy's like what are you doing like what's the return on investment on you know solar energy and Tim's like it's not about that like if you think it is like if it, if you want it to be about the roi every time like get out of my stock um and and cook is in a very unique position um with apple to do all sorts of things and you know, I think the environmental record alone is great, but then you add it to this um, social uh, social causes, the diversity like, stuff. Yeah, it's 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 huge, and obviously there's a lot of uh, ground to be made up. I think the last diversity report, Tim Cook's like, this isn't where it should be yet, um, but the fact that he's talking about it, and the fact that that Apple as a corporation, uh, as a giant in the uh, American um, stock market is is just really, really great, um, and I think that it embodies some of the things we love about Apple, of you know, of a, it being a company for creatives and for people who don't fit into the box, and, and sort of all that like old um, kind of thinking about Apple as like the underdog, like fighting for the little guy, like that. I see that in Tim Cook, and as an old school Apple fan as well as someone who agrees with his political sta- uh, statements like i think it's i think it's really exciting totally 100% yep we'll say um 
AF Wilder in the chat room sent us a link about uh, job, the Jobs family and uh, charity. So we'll put that in there. We want to be fair. Um, but clearly not on the same level as, as Tim Cook writing in Business Week. Um, and I think he's going to be remembered very fondly by history for, for his actions in October. So what else do we have for the we're into November now, right? We are into November. Um, it is uh, watch kit season. I think you can go hunting for watch kit. <laughs> <laughs> what? I like that joke. Uh, it's funny. Oh, I fi- you finally said something that's funny on the podcast. Congratulations, you made your first joke. <laughs> yeah, and ne- four <laughs> years together, Mike. Four years. Uh, Net neutrality, I think, is the big story out of November. There's a link to 512 in here um, where I embedded a CGP Grey video, but spoke a little bit about, like, net neutrality is, like, this big thing, and it's political, and it's, like, it doesn't make much sense until you think about it on the individual level. I think that's the case for a lot of political things, but especially something like this. So, like, what I wrote about was, like, Relay, and if... If without the protection of net neutrality, Comcast could go to Lipson where our files are hosted and say, you know what, Lipson, like you got to pay us. We're doubling your, you know, access to the, like if you want to cross Comcast copper, it's going to cost you twice as much as it does elsewhere. Um, and like Lipson would be forced to either do that and charge us more, which would make me sad, or not do that and our downloads be slow for anyone on Comcast, which would make me even more sad. Um, and so it's it's definitely one of those things where like what happens in Washington affects people like on a super micro level, um, and it's really scary uh, to see it be you know, uh, you know going away. Uh, it's kind of where it's been left. Indeed, scary, and it's not just here. I mean, there's there's news in December about neutrality in some European countries, also not in good shape. Yeah, we're a bit more we're a bit we're a bit more progressive though here. Um, there is more that's happening. There's there is more of this stuff in the UK. There's more competition, and there are European Union guidelines about net neutrality. So, at least some of the lawmakers are embracing it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a must in a, in an internet driven economy, then, you know, like the economy that, you know, our parents grew up in, um, being sort of like post-industrial, like moving into the information age. Um, like the, uh, the electric company didn't tell you that running your refrigerator would be twice as expensive as running your stove. Like, that sort of mentality just doesn't make sense in a market that is completely driven. Like most small businesses in America are internet based. Like and to see them in trouble because of this is is terrifying on multiple levels. I think it's the more of the problem is is it's the American view on the rest of the world that's the problem, I think, in this. I think the biggest problem of net neutrality is America making decisions and this affects the rest of the world and as much as I love you guys, you don't have the right to make those decisions. The internet I, I, is not an American thing. It doesn't I totally belong agree. to America and you can't and the American government or anyone in America cannot make decisions that will affect me in the United Kingdom. Like you just can't do that. And I and, totally agree. So 
There we go. Uh, the December news, I mean, we probably don't need to talk about it because it's happening right now. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen to the last three weeks of shows. I mean, Sony, um, which we haven't, we really didn't talk about all that much. Um, it was because it's, it's, it's a it's a minefield and a mess. Um, it is a me- it is a mess, and it's a minefield. Because I've learned the hard way, if you have opinions on this stuff, people will will say that you're calling America a coward. Uh, so I don't really want to get into it. Uh, I've already I've, just mm. just uh, slammed down on America a moment ago. I don't need to do it again. I love you guys. I love you guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I think I think Sony's in a really hard position. But I think the reason that we're going to remember this movie in two decades is because they decided not to show it and then sort of decided to show it after all. Like, yeah, um, it seems the movie's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so. but but not that. But like responding to that sort of thing by accepting some level of like command is sort of strange. Yeah, they never um, should have done that. They they never should have made the movie in the first place, and then they really shouldn't have. I mean, looking at it in hindsight, I think that maybe they should never have made it. I think that the frets about it should say that they shouldn't have released it. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't allow a company, sorry, another country to censor you. You you just can't do that, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then App Store stuff, which we talked a little bit about back in June, you know, like a half an hour ago. Time has moved quickly mm. and so slowly. You know, the App Store issues of Apple built these tools and developers are using them and there's not a great definition of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And that's hurting developers. Like that has hopefully been quiet. But then I realized I was thinking about this this morning and then I realized that, well, the app store has been closed for a week because of Christmas. <laughs> um, like you haven't gotten any updates on your phone because there's no updates. Um, so hopefully that doesn't fire back up in January. But I, I think we're at a point where this continues to be an issue that's like, we have to hear from Apple officially, you know, like developers getting emails from app review. Like that's a very real thing, but it's not Apple making a statement. And I, I think Apple has to make a unilateral decision uh, about what's allowed and what's not and be very clear about it. And I think that's at a point where it's got to come from somebody like Schiller who is yeah. in charge of this stuff. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of chatter from like well-known iOS developers who are really unhappy. And as, as Android gets better, like I think some developers are looking at it for the first time and that's not what Apple needs. Like Apple needs good apps to be completely solely only on iOS. Do you remember, do you remember a couple of years ago there was like a, there was an amount of problems. There was a groundswell of, of anger and upset about something developer-related. I can't remember what it was. And then Apple overhauled the App Store developer guidelines and included the piece on this is a living document. Right. Do you remember that? I do. I think that's going to happen in, in Q1. I think it's got to. Because I don't think they can make it back to another WWDC without addressing it. Yeah, because uh, the way that you don't have a letter from Federighi, right? The way you address that we see this as a problem. The way that you don't do that is by making a change like this. It's like, we're, we're always going to change them. And you can, you know, you can never try and... Apple will never allow you to draw the dots between them. But it's obvious what they were doing it for. Yeah. To, to a point. Um, 
to a point I, I agree with you, but I think I think like hiding behind the comment of that it's a living document, like I I get the intention of that, but the 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 cynical viewpoint is that Apple can just hide behind that anytime they want. And it's not a living document if they're not editing the document. Like they haven't clarified any of these rules yet um, to any great extent. And so it's like, it's a living document, but it's not. And I think they've got to deal with that. They don't want to go into a, a, a WWDC with new features. You know, assumingly, I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to see the watch before June. I think we're going to see like the next level of watch kit at WWDC this year. And they have to have people on board with that. And there's a lot of people who are saying like, to your point a couple weeks ago on the show that like, look at the watch and they're like, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I don't want to go build something and invest in it and then not be approved or worse be rejected later. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of developers are holding their cards close right now. And that's not what Apple needs. Apple needs developers to be risky and it's it's time to address it. I think the App Store uh, development guidelines should be written in Google Docs so like they could be edited by multiple people at once. That's... And... <laughs> Someone would just select all and delete. Well, you know, living document. Do you remember yeah. when you and Federico did that? You opened yeah, we up opened a, a Google, Google Doc, Doc to the, to the world to the and it got, it got horrible and broken and fell apart really fast. It, get, it got really weird before it did, though. Yeah. So that's the year. That's that's uh, 2014 in review. I've enjoyed this actually. It's nice to look to look too. back at all of the things that actually don't matter. <laughs> should we should we pick a Apple story of the year? Well, I already kind of did an upgrade, but I mean, mine mine. I kind of said it a moment ago. I think that that Tim Cook uh, Tim Cook thing the Tim the Tim Cook article his, his business week article is, is the most important thing that Apple's done this year. Uh, but probably the watch from a product perspective, you know, if you look at Apple as the company rather than as Tim Cook, the individual, uh, probably the watch is the biggest thing. Love it or hate it. It's it's what Apple's betting the next couple of years on, I think. Agreed. Because, you know, I think as well, you look at something like this and you look at where the iPhones are and where the iPads are, uh, innovation is slowing down and it's going to continue to slow down. And Apple... I hope. Well, I think that Apple will be relying on the watch to be where their innovation goes because it's a new product, and it will take maybe some of the sting away from the fact that there isn't a lot going on in the phones or the iPads. I think I think that's a really good point that they can sort of channel rechannel things. Um, you saw that with OS ten and iOS that OS ten slowed down, like change to change when iOS was young, and now that iOS is a little more mature, they pick the pace back up with OS 10, we get things like Yosemite. Uh, I think a lot of that is is a testament to their new integrated team structure. But I think a lot of it is like, yeah, there's just like there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many people here to do these things. And something is always going to have priority. And I think you're absolutely right that the the watch is going to be that for a while. And um and then maybe, you know, they do that and they circle back. Uh, I think I think it's a pretty common scenario. I hope that they just focus in one place anyway, because they can't. <laughs> they yeah. I, I hope they, they focus cannot. on. Uh, I hope they focus on. Uh, I work. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I work I in the cloud. Right. All right. 
So that's about it. We've got a, a load of show notes today, a, a whole host, a, a, a veritable stack of show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash connected slash 20, 20 weeks, Stephen, 20 weeks of Relay FM. It's nuts. Congratulations on the, the biggest, most important thing in your year this year. <laughs> I really feel, feel bad about that. Yeah. <laughs> biggest professional thing. There you go. Okay biggest professional thing um we'll be back at next week with another episode of connected thank you so much to our sponsors this week linda sketch party tv and squarespace if you want to find me online i'm at imike i-m-y-k-e and i host a bunch of shows at relay.fm and stephen hackett he is at ism on twitter and he writes the fantastic five pixels.net and next week we will be joined by our absent co-host not dead okay just absent Important. No, you're you're the one who I'm the one that 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 is deceased. Yes, uh, you can find uh, Federico's great work at MaxStories.net, and he's at Fatici on Twitter. V i t i c c i. We'll be back next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye. Adios. <laughs>